Season two of some inspiring podcasts from Forbes is now on Podcast One. First, if you worry that you're not the type who could succeed in starting and running a business because you're not an extrovert, hiding in the bathroom with Maura Aaron's Mealy will change your mind and maybe your life. Then Forbes contributor, author, and entrepreneur Denise Rastori invites you into her New York City apartment to tap into her conversations with successful women who are sharing some mentoring moments. And finally, hosts Christina Wallace and Kate Scott Campbell will blow the doors off traditional one-career thinking and prove to you that the limit does not exist. Get inspired and download all three shows now on the Podcast One app, iTunes, or at podcastone.com. I mean, I know we do this podcast three days a week, but it feels like an eternity from when we stop on Thursday, because we tape, by the way, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, new episodes. Uh But from Thursday to Tuesday, doesn't it feel like weeks have gone by? Like so much has happened in your life. Like so much how? Well, um, I saw on your Instagram you were celebrating a big, big victory for the restaurant Kirisan, where you are uh, apprenticing as an assistant chef. I'm actually a cook now, Sarah. I'm just oh! a regular old cook now. Well, that's so, awesome. Way to pay attention to my life, but I appreciate it. Well, I didn't know the title. But um, anyway, Kirisan made D.C. Michelin's latest and first guide of affordable eats. Well, they got released in that first round of the Bib Gourmand. Viv Gourmand. So uh, that's where Sammy works part-time as well. And, I mean, you were celebrating that. I also need to shout out all the 14-year-olds from Bethesda, Maryland, who are now tuned into this podcast. After What's we got- up? What's up, Bethesda? <laughs> Markov's Haunted Forest. Sammy also almost kicked a couple of 15-year-olds' asses that came over to the table at the end. I actually did. And I'm going to tell you, I will kick your ass again. <laughs> Sammy, you are like, I adore you so much. And you always make fun of me being old. But honest to God... On Friday night, when we were at this appearance out at this haunted forest, and these guys came over and started touching your water bottle like an old man. You barked at them. You clapped back so hard. I was like, uh, oh, no, my God, because you here's are the so thing. old right now. I'm not being old. Here's the like, thing. Get is, out of here, motherfucker. I remember being a 15-year-old. Oh. oh, God. Sarah, look at you. You broke the rules already. Hold God. Yeah, you better play it. This is a statement intended to specify or delimit the scope of rights and obligations that may be exercised and forced by parties in a legally recognized relationship. Wait, what? This is your disclaimer. The Hey Frage podcast may not be suitable for all years. Oh. 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 Well, anyways, no. Okay, first off, I remember being a 15-year-old kid, right? And they don't listen at all, okay? I remember me. I don't listen to shit at all. So I see this kid. They come now. That whole water flip, the bottle flip thing that everyone's obsessed with. That's super fucking annoying. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Queens are obsessed with this. Like, like kids between the ages of 11 years old and 17 years old are fucking obsessed with this stupid water bottle flip. And I'm so over it. And so at this stupid, at this, uh, at this, like at this event. Sorry, this stupid kid comes up to me, Mm -hmm. and he just grabs my water bottle. And flips it. And I was like, what yes. the hell are you doing, dude? Give back my bottle, man. You can't touch a man's stuff like that. Like, how old are you? He's like 15. And he grabs it again. And I oh, go. Oh, I know. At that point, and you then lost I just, it. And I just literally, and I was like, in my head, I was thinking, you know what? 
kids like this, when I was 15, I need someone to really give me a good scaring. To realize that I'm only three years away from being able to get my ass kicked and not be able to go home and tell my mom. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm a mere going. three years away. Three years away. So I sat there and I threatened to kick all their asses. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> um, this trend was started. So if you don't know what this trend is, I didn't know what this was. But you're right. The whole... Um, Dude, it's the most annoying thing that tweens are doing. Like Bottle flipping. Oh, my God. People post pictures. They post videos. And I'm so annoyed by it. So my annoyed. God. And so I, you know, I told this kid, like, hey, you can't just touch people's water bottles and do it. Go ask your mom for some money and go buy your own water bottle. Oh Dump God. out half and do it yourself. You clapped at them so hard. Oh, dude, they hard. got scared. And the other person was like, did. oh. The, the, the kid dude, they, they ran away. They got, they, look, I tell you what, those kids are going to think twice because they're like, oh, crap. We may have been taller <laughs> than that guy, but that guy could have kicked our asses. And I have no problem. Like, if you're a 15-year-old being stupid, in my mind, I can still kick your ass. I think we know. We got it. Like, I won't actually hurt you, but I will scare the shit out of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I scared the shit out of them. That was it. Ain't nothing wrong with that, Sarah. Um, You're absolutely right. And apparently this all started by a kid in North Carolina who posted a video of himself flipping a water bottle repeatedly in the talent show there. And then it became like a trend. It was viewed over 5 million times. Yeah, I'm telling you, because tweens are also stupid. Like, if you want to be honest, like... And, like, everybody goes crazy in this video I'm watching. I never realized this was a thing. All right. Between the ages of, like, I would say 12 and 16, 17 years old humankind is at their stupidest. You know what I mean? Like, they have no clue what's going on. Hormones are flying through everywhere. They're changing from a kid to an adult. They really have no effing clue at all, and they become just naturally stupid. Like, you know, I think that you have three-year-olds that make more sense than some 15-year-olds. I'm reading all about it. I'll have to read about this So anyway, anyway, so yeah, don't flip my bottle. I'll clap back at you. Yeah, you did. So if you are 14 and now tuning into this podcast, congrats. Share it with your high school. Yep. And Whatever. if you aren't, good. <laughs> Find the kids that flip my bottle and give me their info. Um, so that happened over the weekend. Both of those things. Anything else interesting? I thought there was something else. Oh, your! I found out your dad is coming this weekend. Oh, right? he's coming. Is he still yeah, coming. Well, he's coming next weekend. Yes. Okay. And I really think if he's here in town, we got to have him on the pod. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I have never met your father in real life, so I'm very excited about. Well, this. Well, you know, my father actually he's been to D.C. Uh, wants to move me here. Okay. In which well, we moved all my box into my dorm, and then he went up to my bed, fell asleep for three hours as I set everything up. <laughs> um, and then he came once just to like, because he happened to be in town to like see somebody for the weekend. So this will be his third time this will be his ever. His third time in, in like DC. twelve years ever coming to visit me here. I can't wait. To I feel like I will learn so much insight. You're not gonna meet him though. Why? Because he's. Did you think my dad's really gonna stick around? First off. He's coming in because, and I found this out because in my head I was thinking, you know, I love my dad, but my dad's very busy with his jobs, okay? He's very, very busy. He owns like three successful businesses, and he's always fucking working. Right. All right? God bless that man to death. Works all the time. So, unfortunately, if I want to see him, I usually have to go down to Florida to see him. You know what I mean? He just can't pick up and and get up and leave. Like, he can't. He just can't. You know, and the times that he does, it's for stuff that's, you know, emergencies or like, you know, things that he just you know, can't afford to to not not be there. Okay. You know what I mean? So I start thinking in my head, I was like, well, there's got to be something out because why the hell is my dad coming? You know, there's no way he's coming to visit me. He called me and he made it sound like, hey, I'm going to be in D.C. next week. Well, how would you think about that? Cool. Like, help me find a hotel. I can't wait to see you, son. I was like, bullshit. <laughs> you don't believe in my head, I called him. it bullshit from a mile away, right? Lo and behold, I find out, thank to the, thanks to the God is called Facebook, 
I have a cousin of mine who happens to write, oh, hey, guys, any recommendations for Washington, D.C.? I may be there next week. So he's coming to town with your cousin. No, no he's coming to town because my cousin's going to be in town, and he wants ah. to see his nephew really badly. I just happen to be a byproduct of, well, shit. I can't. It's like, it's like my dad lives in Tampa, right? I can't go to Tampa and not see my dad. Sure. So yeah, I think that's like how he's feeling. He's like, well, shit, if my son finds out that I was in D.C. and I didn't see him, oh, my God, that'll be well, hell to pay. Yes. Hell to pay. There's a topic. Have your parents ever come to your own like city or town and not called you? I will tell I you. Because other people's parents have done that. Oh, you want to talk about that? Shit, we well, can go right well, into wait. that. Yeah. We can go. <laughs> Because I have none of my, I have so many family, so much family that I find out like two weeks later when they post pictures on Facebook that they were here, that they were in DC proper, like what? literally not more than a mile away from me, maybe a half a mile away from me, and they never, we need ever, to discuss. ever reached out. Uh, look, we have a big show today though, and we will talk about that. But I told you guys a couple weeks ago that my latest thing is I want to really bring awareness and light to fragrances, mm-hmm. and this started. My mom lives in Maine in Oregon organic, crunchy Maine, and Maine is such a great state. And her neighbor, Sandy, and Sandy's sister, Dr. Joyce, who is a naturopathic doctor in Cape Cod, have dedicated their lives to basically organic farming, living, uh, natural medicine. And their big campaign that they started making me aware of this summer was how toxic fragrances are. And did you realize that fragrances are making us obese? They are tied to autism. Oh, that's why I'm fat? Fragrances? Honestly, it could be fragrances. That's I'm not why. even kidding you. So it's not the pizza. I'm glad to know that. Oof. It's not the pizza. Fragrance is, it's not could, it is making you fat. And on top of that, fragrance is also linked to cancer. So I became super interested in this because um, I get migraines usually once every couple months. And oftentimes I find that they're triggered by scent. Like if I put a, a perfume on and I've just become more and more aware and going completely perfume free in my life. My soaps, as you know, no deodorant. I don't mm-hmm. wear, you know, I wear only uh, a non-smelling um Coconut oil under deodorant. Um, my detergent oh, I I, now. I smell you, Sarah. And anyway, Doctor Joyce, who's who's you know neighbors with my mom, had said you've got to watch this film, this documentary called Stink. And John Whelan, who is the director, the writer of it, and stars in it. Um, basically, what he does is he buys a pair of pajamas for his daughters, and they have such a toxic smell when he opens it. He goes, "Oh my God, what is this?" And it begins this journey of trying to figure out what is actually in so many of our products from clothing to soaps and all that and it's a huge regulated and lobbied business where they don't tell you what's in it but in fact it's directly tied to major things that are killing us killing us and causing serious mental defects in children it's unreal so um dr joyce had recommended it i watched it and i was so in love with it i read i reached out to john and i said john will you be on the podcast because this entire month where it's breast cancer awareness month in october and you know my mom oh god knock on wood please lord that was plastic by the way okay well wherever the wood is okay there you go there you go um she will be two years cancer-free this December from breast cancer. So we talk about fragrance and impact all the time. And John said yes. He would be on this show to talk about the fragrance industry. And if you haven't watched this, Stink is free this month, as I mentioned, on Amazon. You can go to stinkmovie.com. You can stream it there. That's where I watch it totally free. And you watched it, you said. I did watch it. What would you think? I'll talk to him about that myself. <laughs> you don't buy it. No, 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 no. I just look at Sarah. God bless your heart. Okay, but 
You will that fall for... That is like the biggest southern fuck you of anything. It is. Really? That's what I wanted to Bless say. Bless your heart, Bless your you. heart, Sarah. Bless your heart, Sarah. Why? But it's, uh, here, I think a lot of it, and when I watched it, I understand, right? There are bad things in a lot of what we do, okay? But just because, like, my best example I have is peanut allergies. Just because one kid will literally die if peanut dust falls into his, you know, face does not mean that peanuts should be banned for everyone else that can enjoy them eat them healthily. So I think that there are a lot of things that fragrances may trigger, but I also, after doing some research, I find out that everyone is so different, and that is also why it's almost impossible to say Da, da, da. And you know, yeah, but we and I okay, also feel like, and I also a, feel like his. I don't know. I also feel like his argument came off a little uh, what, a little fear mongerish, but that's fine. As you say, fragrance, that's the issue. So it's not fragrance, okay? It's certain chemicals in those fragrances that really people should be more worried about. But you're gonna just say, well, shit. Let's just blame. All brown people, not the actual small select group of people that happen to be, you know what I mean, that happen to fit into that small well, category. Like, I feel like when you say the word fragrance, that's a huge, huge industry. And you're saying fragrance, ban all fragrance. It's like, well, guys, hold on. Fragrance isn't the, the enemy here. There's certain chemicals that they put in certain fragrances that, yes, people should be aware but of. The problem and it's is finding that then information. Exactly. Pro- that's the issue. That's is the issue. What he's saying in the in the film is you can wear fragrances, but we as consumers have the right to know when these toxic chemicals like one four dioxin is which leads to cancer. The research is there. It absolutely causes cancer in people. You have the right to know that on your packaging, but because of lobbying and, you know, that basically these companies have huge money and pay to not disclose these chemicals, it's hidden under proprietary use, and we don't know. Yeah, and but that's don't you the also... biggest thing. You have the right to know, and right now as consumers, when it comes to fragranced stuff, you don't have the right... You I, don't know. I had so much I wanted to ask. Like, I have a lot of questions I want to ask oh! about this. Because a lot of it, I was just like, okay, but, 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 and I, you know. Oh, good. There's a lot more. I think that, look, and I understand. He was trying to appeal to, he was trying to get everyone to be involved, you know? But sometimes it's not like that. It's like when they were like, sugars, ban sugars. Like, yo, guys, hold on. The sugars are very complex. I think the whole business. The notion of fragrance is very complex, and I think the notion of the audience, okay, they're not as. Um, I want. Yeah, I want to bring this up with him. I want to bring that up with you. Okay, we'll bring it up. Because you're going to get all my. You're going to get all my hints beforehand. I want to be able to drop bombs on. Don't them. worry, drop away. Because your point is that you're saying that this guy is asking for an, a total and complete ban, but he's not. He's saying you just have the right to have disclosure of these toxic. Chemicals. Yeah, but I actually kind of also agree with where the companies are coming from as to why you don't disclose 100. percent Oh my god, are you crazy? No, and I actually you're haven't. the you're the oh my god, you're the person in the documentary that he talks about that basically you're saying, look, unless mass people are dying, I don't want to no, no, address no, no, this. No, 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 no. See, that's, that's what not, you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. That's what you're gonna say. I'm saying that's why I want to talk to the professional here and not someone who's just been, you know, propagandized. It's the ridiculousness of the whole flame retardant furniture you that know? we have. Because back you. in the seventies, cigarette companies said initially they were supposed to come out with a cigarette that went out on its own. They did that, but it takes Tasted nasty, which he talks about in the documentary. So therefore, they go, how about this? We'll just have furniture that doesn't burn. 
So when people fall asleep with a cigarette in their hand, it won't torch the mattress. So the flame retardant chemicals, babies are being born with it in their umbilical Sarah, cords. Okay, understand. Yes, I agree with that aspect. But see, you're trying to take what I'm trying to say where I say I agree with some aspects of the fragrance industry. And it's and I think that when I say it, you're going to sit there, you're going to be like, oh, damn. No, I oh, won't. Damn. I won't. I won't. Because you oh, have some ridiculous no, comparison. No, no, Sarah, it's not a ridiculous comparison, okay? It's something I actually even asked friends of mine, okay, scientists, all right, and I got their opinions on this. This is what I spent This is what the problem is when you send me prep, like, way in advance. I have a chance to actually vet it out through friends of mine. Well, and great. I got a lot well, of good information on I'm this. not at all worried because John is the expert. Well, let's call John yeah, right now. Yeah, you ready to call him? Yeah, John's a New York filmmaker. Um... As we mentioned, and I think Stink is his first film, which came out in 2015. So, oh my God, that's going to be so good. I'm already ready. Are you ready, Sarah? Yeah. Are you yeah, ready? Because I'll tell you what really pissed me off was that Susan G. Coleman put out this fragrance. Well, come on In order to fight now. breast cancer. I could have. I could have guessed that one. I'm tired of that. Hello? Hey, John. It's Sarah and yeah. Sammy. Hi, how are you? What's going on, man? We're so good. You're live on the Hey Frage podcast. Great. Happy to be here. John, oh my God, Sammy and I both, we, we've been talking about this. We recently watched your documentary, which was recommended to a friend of mine. I grew up in Maine and have some very, very um, health conscious neighbors who recommended your documentary. And I absolutely loved it. I was blown away. And for a while, I have been removing fragrance from my life anyway, before I had discovered your documentary. So we wanted to have you come on today. We have lots of questions for you about this documentary, what's, sure. what's happened since, and what we can all do to become a little bit more aware. Great. Sounds good. So, John, tell us this. How did this film become about fragrance and, you know, really the mission of kind of disclosing what is in so many of our products that we buy? How did you come and do this? Well, it started off that I bought my daughter a pair of pajamas for Christmas um, several years back, and they had this weird chemical smell. So I called the company to find out if they were safe, and the company completely stonewalled me. And I found out that it's, you know, companies don't really have to disclose any of the chemicals that are in their products. And for fragrance is this is really misunderstood. I mean, fragrance has uh, its positive camouflage, meaning that. When, when you when you everyone likes something that smells good, but it's actually a loophole. And what I mean by that is, if you see the word fragrance on a product label, that word is used in lieu of disclosing the actual ingredients, which could be a hundred things. And so, you know, if you see vanilla scented toothpaste, you a reasonable person would assume that there's vanilla in here. And but in fact, it's it's <laughs> there's no vanilla in there. They're just uh, cheap, mostly synthetic chemicals that are used to mimic the scent of real vanilla. And, you know, you look at basically every product category, fragrance or scent has become a condiment for everything because it influences what people buy. And if people knew, for example, that it wasn't real vanilla, but it could have chemicals that are linked to uh, cancer or birth defects or hormone disruption, then they would think twice about it. But because there's so goodwill baked into to fragrance because everyone likes something that smells good, it's... it's um, it's misleading, but it's also relatively misunderstood. 
and that you know became the documentary because I think we have a right to know if we're buying a product. We we have a right to know yes. because if uh, you know if you knew some of these nasty things in there, you might choose something safer. Oh my God! And in the documentary, you take the pair of pajamas that you bought for your daughters from Justice, and you actually have to go out and have it tested on its own, and it comes back that there are some toxic chemicals in there, and you end up kind of confronting the CEO of Justice about it and many other lobbyists who are part of this. Um, I guess what's so, what struck me so much in this documentary is you give all the research of how these toxic chemicals in fragrances are linked to cancer, to obesity, to learning disabilities and autism, and yet we hear more about autism being linked to vaccines. Why do you think... Why do you think fragrance isn't, like, mainstream? Why do you think that people aren't talking more about this when there's so much evidence of what it's doing? I, I think it's hard to sway public opinion, and I think that, you know, there's also some cognitive dissonance. People don't want to hear there's yet another bad thing they need to avoid. And, again, I mean, I think that, you know, most people just assume if a product's on the shelf, it must be safe, that somewhere someone tested it. And, you know, we, we look at the pretty packaging on the shelf, and we don't really think about what's inside. And, you know, all of these brands that we know and love have, you know, 100 years of goodwill. It's inconceivable that these things could be bad. And, and But here's the thing. I mean, if you were buying a, a scented shampoo or a toothpaste or pajamas, and you were dying in your sleep as a result, then we would do something about it. But it's not like that. You know, it's even like if you smoke cigarettes, you're exposed to asbestos. You're not going to die tomorrow. But if you're exposed today, you're increasing the likelihood of a, you know, a negative health outcome in the future. And that's kind of obvious. We know that if you smoke, then your, your chances of lung cancer are greater and things like that. But because, of, because we don't know what's in these products um, and companies aren't required by law to disclose them, People are being exposed, and they have they have no idea. And the thing is that, that you have to remember, these companies aren't breaking the law. The, the law is broken. And, you know, again, it's, it's just we're, we're the first thing people do when they buy a product, if you buy shampoo, they smell it. Right. And so we're literally, they're competing by their scent, so it's really important. And that's why companies are faced with this challenge. If you reformulate... Um, aside from the fact that it might cost, it's going to cost you money to do it. If you, if you change the, the smell, it's kind of, like, kind of changing the taste of a food. It's going to turn people off. So they're they're in a bind. And I'm like a business person. I'm not, I'm coming at this and looking at it through an economic lens. So like I get it. Uh, but still, that doesn't that doesn't mean doesn't. you should be able to lobby and, and use a lot of money so that the average person doesn't know about this issue. Because if they did, and if all the politicians knew, their constituents knew about it, then they'd have to do something about it. Well, okay, so you're actually talking about like the actual fragrance companies themselves and a lot of the companies that just facilitate and make these fragrances. Um, and one of their big arguments is that the consumer themselves, they are just not knowledgeable enough to really understand what's going on. And so if you start listing all this stuff, really the consumer is almost they're, – they're, they're too stupid to get it, you know? Uh, what's your like – Yeah. I mean that's pretty much what yeah, they're I mean, saying, I, correct? I, right. I mean I definitely I, – I actually heard from people in the industry that they – I would ask them about why, why wouldn't you disclose these ingredients so that you give consumers a choice instead of you choosing for us? And what they – what I heard a couple times is that the average American has a fourth grade level of science. Which is true. And which, yeah, I'm not saying that's not true. But, but here's the thing I, I think that, you know, because they don't have to disclose, they make better, bad choices about what they put in the products, and mm-hmm. then consumers are forced to make bad choices about what they buy. 
And I think the other thing that's, that's happened is that the retailers, the role of the retailer has changed. It's sort of tra it's transi transitioning from more of a box pusher, meaning they just put it on the shelf and they don't care anything about it. They have their fingers in their ears and they say, we have no idea, let the buyer beware. And, and the small retailers are becoming more curators. You know, and, and they're doing that work. So even though your average customer may not be able to decipher an ingredient list, you know, you'd like to think that the retailers are putting, um, you know, best practices in place and creating a naughty list saying, you know, if the FDA won't uh, stop these companies from using carcinogens or hormone disruptors, then we will. And the good news is that companies are doing that. Target's doing it. Walmart's doing it you know, obviously Whole Foods. Uh, so change is happening. It's just that it's it's not happening quick enough. Right. And, you know, the problem is that, like, even from the retailer, and I give them a lot of credit, the, the Walmarts, the Targets, and the Whole Foods of the world, but in some instances, in many instances, they're solving a problem that most consumers are unaware of. And so, you know, companies won't preemptively uh, reformulate if they're not going to be rewarded, especially if their costs are going to go up and they have to raise the price. You know, if, if you have to raise your price and say it's because we removed the carcinogens, I think that's going to be more confusing to the consumer than if you just, you know, maintain the status quo. But isn't that and, kind and of like... the reason. Yeah, but isn't that, that kind they, of they like... Disclose. What their whole like you know argument really is the fact that I mean the consumers really don't have a science background. I don't think a lot of the buyers. I really doubt that someone that's working in Fayetteville, Arkansas, really has a science background that's purchasing shampoo, you know, for Walmart. And the, the fact that they don't really know, and I'm they they have to keep it very basic, you know, because you can't come back and like it is a cost benefit thing, right? Like you're trying to keep the prices low because people a aren't going to buy anything if it's way too expensive, and B, if all of a sudden they think that it had carcinogen beforehand, they're going to be fair, like, you know, don't you kind of feel like at this point, I love the idea of trying to get rid of these fragrances, but really the the main issue is just the fact that people want cheap goods, and unfortunately, like, yeah, absolutely. natural I mean, rose water, that's stuff like we, that. We just expect everything to be cheap. Yeah. And, you know, mm. you know in the same way, the... You don't have to understand, you know, the aviation industry or know how to take a plane apart um, to, to go on a plane. You know, you think that the FEA, the, there's regulatory agencies that are doing that diligence, so you have, you know, peace of mind that that's happening. And in the same way, consumers shouldn't have to know uh, chemistry to, to buy a bottle of shampoo. But they should have a federal agency in place that is doing that. It's just that right now we don't have that. I mean, it's, it, I'll show you how ridiculous this is. It's, it's not even legal for the FDA to demand a list of ingredients from a, a product that they regulate. Now, you have to kind of think about that twice. How could that be? And mm -hmm. It's true. They're, they're not allowed to ask. And, and so the industry benefits from the perception that the FDA is regulating them, but the reality they're not. And I think that that's, that's what has to happen. I mean, they have to have the authority to do something. I mean, yeah. they, they don't have recall authority. They're, they don't have to... Uh, companies don't have to report adverse events. It's just, it's when you look at it, you're like, that can't be true. Yet it is, you know, and I'm yeah. an outsider. So especially coming at it from outsiders, you know, you're kind of like, how could this be? And then you start, you know, peeling back the onion, and it's it's as bad as you thought and worse. John, I loved in the film, like I love when filmmakers, directors, reporters confront people, you know, at events when they least suspect it. It's so great. It makes for fabulous TV. Um, but have you received any backlash since from Justice, from any of the lobbyists? What's happened since the film has come out? Have any of them reached out to you? 
Yeah, I mean, so here's the, here's the good news. The um, two things. One, like at the end of the film, as you probably remember, I, I say, here's what needs to happen. We need companies to be 100% transparent. They have to disclose all the ingredients. And, you know, you can see that companies are, new companies are coming up and their whole business model is predicated on transparency. Look at, look at there's a company called Beauty Counter. They're amazing. You know, they're, they have like 15,000 women who are now out uh, representing this product. And their whole thing is about ingredient transparency. So it's, it's, the sky won't fall if you disclose all the ingredients. It's totally possible. And lots of people are doing it. And I think that, so that's happening at sort of an entrepreneurial level. Uh, people are starting to disclose ingredients. And it's putting pressure on the larger companies to follow suit. There's pending legislation that would... Uh, make cosmetics safer and now they're saying maybe 2017 that could happen and so that might seem like a long time but keep in mind that uh, cosmetics regulations haven't really changed since 1938 oh and one God. and a half pages one and a half pages and so Crazy. again they're they're regulated in title only and I think that that change is coming and even the industry realizes they have a credibility problem uh, they don't want to have to explain these things to consumers, and they don't know, especially, you know, with the Internet, like, word is traveling fast. It's easy to contain um, something if you're just dealing with a, with a handful of players, but as this information is, be, is going online and, and there's, there's films, I think that they want to get out in front of it. So I think the industry even has an incentive to, you know, put better regulations in place. And, you know, the other major thing is just on the film, this Toxic Substance Control Act, which hasn't been changed since 1976, that a version of that actually passed in the spring and is, is coming online now. Um, is it perfect? Absolutely not. I mean, but is it a step in the direction? We don't even know yet. But the, the sadly, from the industry standpoint, they can say they fixed the problem, but it, it hasn't, it remains to be seen what impact that will have because you know, we have 85,000 chemicals in commerce, uh, several hundred of them have only been tested, and the EPA can only test a handful a year. So, you know, it'll, it'll take centuries at that pace <laughs> to have oh, any impact. <laughs> John, one last thing for our listeners, because I think, too, it can be overwhelming, you know, because in your in the documentary you talk about, I mean, these chemicals are in everything from our flooring, our sofas, your hand soap, you know, where can people on the simplest step start to kind of becoming more conscious? And if they're concerned about fragrance affecting obesity or their children, what can you just start doing to begin to eliminate it in your house and around you? Well, let me just say this, and the industry does not like when I say this. Uh, most chemicals are safe. And, you know, it, it's, and so there are people that are completely chemophobic and think all synthetic chemicals are bad. I'm not that guy. I'm saying most chemicals are safe. The problem is that they don't want even the ones that we know are carcinogenic. We know cause birth effects to be regulated. So that, that's step one. That, that's an important thing to point out. In terms of where people can go, I mean, in terms of personal care products, there's a ton of different online resources. You know, the Environmental Working Group, EWG, has something called Skin Deep, and that is a product or a service where you can actually scan a barcode, and it'll get, tell you what sort of rating it has. Oh, wow. So you can compare. If, if you're using, you know, XYZ shampoo, you can say, okay, that's a four, um, and, you know, being the best and being the worst. 
and maybe you know if you like something that's better then you can try this and so it makes recommendations and then there's other third-party services there's one called made safe and they're verifying uh, that products are safe the environmental working groups doing the same the epa has a similar uh, service for um, uh, cleaning products and so there, there's that you can sort of get these apps that do it but also, like I said, retailers are doing the same. I mean, you can go to Whole Foods and they do, they have a list. Uh, so one other thing I should point out, so in the United States, there's 11 chemicals you can't use in a personal care product. Okay. Now in Europe, that list that list is almost 14. It's massive, yeah. Okay. And so what Whole, what Whole Foods has done, they said, okay, even though in the United States, there's only 11 things that we can't use because we have really great lobbyists here. Uh, we're actually going to adopt the European standard because we wow. think that American consumers should have at least as safe products as Europeans. And some other retailers are doing that too. So, you you know, you really have to look. Like some, you'll go into even a conventional store now and they'll, they'll have conventional products, I'm doing air quotes, and then you'll have, you know, uh, whatever term they're using, you know, USDA, USDA organic or however they're, whatever terminology is used, um, they'll have a section. And, you know, but it's uh, because, again, even with these safer products, you, you really have to be diligent because there really are no regulations. Oh my God, John! You have been like. So, do you have one last yeah, question, no, Sammy? Go for it. Okay, because this is here's so my good. thing. I was wondering too, because you just kind of said like, not all chemicals are bad, right? You know. Absolutely. So, so right. why don't you focus on like, as opposed to saying like a keyword like stink or fragrance? Because knowing, because right now in my head, I'm thinking. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to smell. Someone's going to smell food like, this fragrance is killing me. What you're cooking is killing me, and yeah. it's just going to become a nightmare. So why don't you focus on things like endocrine disruptors? You know, like things like, look at these types of products. These are the ones that screw you up. These are the ones that get you the mustaches. These are the ones that have you, you know, <laughs> get your hormones out of whack. These ones, like, or is it because it's just not like, is it just not a good buzzword? Is the war on fragrance easier? Almost for people no, to digest? I mean, it's it's challenging because, like I said, like fragrance isn't bad, and again, it's it's misunderstood. When people see that word, they're they're not singular ingredient, but again, it's used in lieu of disclosing the actual ingredient. Exactly. And the details matter. You know, right. if you're if you're buying a vanilla scented toothpaste and it has vanilla oil, it's great. You have a right to know that. If it has you know 130 chemicals that actually mimic the smell of vanilla, and some of them are bad, well, you have a right to know that too. It's just that, you know, industry traditionally, has, has they call the shots. I mean, they have they've captured a lot of these agencies. There's this, uh, you know, they talk about the stakeholders in the process and everyone has, you know, this uh, their say in what goes on, but that's, that's not true in my experience. And if you look at the industry trade associations that represent, uh, whether it's the cosmetics or the fragrance industry, and you look at their website, they're pumping out their propaganda and they have it a seat at the table. And, you know, I don't, you know, I could, I could right. fill the ear of a politician and tell them, here's actually what's going on. But they'd rather paint you as being alarmist, being chemophobic, for being crazy. Well, again, like my business is, my background is business. I'm looking at this through an economic lens of thinking like, I'm a father, I have to go out and buy these products for my kids. What's the consumer benefit of buying a product and not knowing if there's a chemical causes cancer or birth defects or hormone disruptions? Well, there, there is no consumer benefit. But the, the system we have that we, we've, the, the industry has the upper hand, yet it appears to be a level playing field, and that's just not true. 
Oh my God, John, you've been and so, fantastic. And so, until more people know about it, they're not going to they're not going to change. Like I said, if they're, if they're able to legally use nasty chemicals and they're not liable, they're going to continue doing it to keep their costs down. Oh. And they're not going to solve this problem until they have to, until enough people know, and it's just there's nowhere left to hide. John, oh my God, you have been so great. I, I'm telling you, the documentary is so, so good, and we really appreciate you being on. But I've got to give people one more warning before they watch the documentary. <laughs> Sorry, John, for the warning, but... What is it? Now, every time I go by a dumpster, I always try to smell hazelnuts. <laughs> Because in the documentary, it's like, you know, this dumpster could da, 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 smell like hazelnuts at the small amount of concentration. And I was like, oh, so I'm always trying to smell hazelnuts now when I go by trash bins. And it's been horrible on my nose. Well, I, I, was, I was hoping that, like, people, like, using something like stink in the name, that I want people to have a Pavlovian response to every smell. So they smell something and they're thinking, okay, it smells good, but what is it? Because now we yes. don't think that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we yeah. assume it's safe. And the other thing, if I, if I may... And people now think is free this month yes. uh, in support of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So if you go to stinkmovie.com, you can actually watch things for free. Oh, my God, John, we are pushing our listeners there. And by the way, what are you working on next? I feel like this was so good. You must be up to something else. Uh, I have a couple ideas. I'm just, um, you know, we're still doing screenings of stink, and because of the pending legislation, we're trying to, you know, help use it as, as a tool to educate people. So, but I definitely like to do something after this. I just haven't um, had enough time to immerse myself in something else. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I, you know, I'm busy with my kids as well. So. Yeah, you got a lot going on. Well, stinkmovie.com is the website. John, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got yeah. it. Bye. So there you go. You can stream it all month of October totally free. Stinkmovie.com. You will be in love. What would you think? Well, no, I told you exactly what I thought. Unfortunately, I had to go deal with a vacuum situation halfway through the interview. <laughs> well, so the improv's got to get their know. floors clean. But, no, but I was like, I wonder because... what she's using, actually, in that vacuum bag. I would go smell that. That's why that. I closed the door. It was for Did you, Did it stink? Sarah. No, it smelled great. I bet. So that's yeah. why I was afraid And I bet you. she had a lot of toxic chemicals. Um, no, so I was, because th- in my head, I was like, well, you know, the, for the fragrance industry, okay, they can't actually, and they can't actually like disclose everything that's in their products because unfortunately the audience doesn't really know and they're not smart enough to sit there and really decipher you know what i mean look at people like that who's that health chick or whatever the lady that says oh, the food babe whatever that, you, that, there's, yeah. that, there's, that there's yoga mats and subway bread like no there's the same thing that happens to add the you know it's like but it's a chemical like it's an it's an actual like enzyme you know what i mean this enzyme can be used in a multitude of things but people aren't smart enough to think that in their minds they go they go that. if i eat it then there's no way I can also build with it. Well, dude, look at with hemp, okay? They can eat hemp. They can smoke hemp. You can wear hemp. They can wear hemp. They can use hemp for other... Like, there's all these different things you can use a product for, but people have to get past in their mind the notion of that, and the audience doesn't get that. Again, why his movie is called Stink, The War on Fragrance, because endocrine disruptors isn't a catchy term that people understand because the audience is too stupid to get that. But you can't say that because that's like the old radio thing of them telling us, oh, dumb down your content because the audience isn't smart no, no, enough. I'm telling him to, uh, no, I, I'm telling him to up, up, up his content. He should be focusing on the endocrine disruptors and not saying the war on fragrance because now every time you smell something, yes, you should be conscious about that. that you should know point. it's inside. You should know it's inside. That's great. Totally should. But... Be more specific. You know what I mean? Like, I need to know. Like, when I read something on the back, I can look at the ingredients and be like, oh, okay, cool. I know what that is. That's fine. 
Even if it says sodium this or hydro but blah 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 this. People deserve to know the basics, and that's all he's saying. And it's the same with cigarettes. It's like the warning that look, this can kill you. You can still make the choice to use it. You have that choice. If you want to buy Susan G. Coleman for the cures pink fragrance that's probably filled with toxic one four mm. dioxin that's giving you cancer while you're supporting cancer, go for it. But no, but I, I think but I don't think you you're understanding have the that. Right to know that. That's no, what I'm no. saying. And I don't think you're understanding that. I'm on the same side as you guys. I'm just yeah, saying you, you guys are. are going at it the wrong way as opposed to... You, you appeal trying, to even the more intelligente. I would say you appeal to people who actually understand. The, the notion of stink and the notion of the war on fragrance, that's what I'm saying. My nightmare is all of a sudden I'm going to deal with some idiot that read about it on an, in a newspaper article and they're going to be like, you're killing me, you're killing yourself and I just want to be like, oh my god, you don't know. Like, please well, stick. Like, that's why I want to make it make it as smart as possible so that way the stupid people can't really catch on until they learn enough about it just because it's going to make my life that much more miserable. And that's what my biggest argument like, is. I'm all I, down for I'm all down for transparency. Okay. I'm just, sorry. And I get the backlash on this show for being for judgmental. That is, like, the most judgmental. That's, like, basically saying, hey, let's feed our underprivileged and poor crap no, food because no, 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 they no, don't no, really no. know any better. I think they should – because when you do a keyword like the war on fragrance – People assume now it's anything that has the smell of anything that's a fragrance, but it's not. It's certain chemicals in those that are really affecting you. It's not all of the chemicals. John is saying until we get to the point where every fragrance, even the ones that are non-toxic, and he gave Beauty Counter, which I'm not familiar with that brand, but I'm going to be. He's saying, look, until we get to the point. Just kidding. (laughs) Until we get to the point where, like, everybody's full disclosure so you know, then there's no more war on fragrance. But the reality is most of these big names, these big companies, Estee Lauder, all these people aren't disclosing what's in it. And that's the issue, which you agree with. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, I think disclosure is the key, but I think that people need to be educated beforehand about what it is. And also, part of that education is also part of our consumerism habit we have here, that we need to realize that, guys, things, you cannot have it both ways. You can't have cheap stuff, okay? A t-shirt should never cost $7 anywhere. Okay. Well, right. We have Anywhere. become used all right because you yeah. want it so cheap. You want to buy a bottle of shampoo. If you really want a bottle of shampoo, it's going to be all the natural things that are good for you. Yeah, it's like that's twenty-five dollars. That's going to be like forty-five, fifty bucks. That's what people don't yeah. realize. Is even that twenty-five dollar version you think is healthy for you still has stuff in there because they have to get the cost down because no one's going to buy a hundred-dollar bottle of shampoo. Hey, I couldn't agree with you more. You know what? Email us. I'd be very, very curious. Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at HeyFrage.com. What did you think of John Whelan? Hopefully you've checked out StinkMovie.com. Do you have your own theories, thoughts? Maybe you've done a lot more research. The audience is always so much smarter than we are um, on fragrance. But I think what's very scary is how much they're linking it to autism. And I think that's terrifying. Yet all we hear about is the vaccine. Now let's get back to talking about sex or something. I know. (laughs) I know. Anyway, shifting gears. Lots of stories over the weekend that we need to get to um, that I wanted your opinion on. Uh, Here's a lighthearted one. Did you see that there's actually a poop cafe opening in Toronto, Canada? Just like the ones in Tokyo? I actually yes. went to a poop cafe and You did? Uh, in Kuala Lumpur? Wait, you no, know, was no. it like all themed like the poop emoji? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just walked in and I got like a scoop of ice cream. Hold on, I think it was... Everything is themed like the poop emoji. Uh, the poop cafe debuted this past weekend with traditional Korean dishes as well as Thai ice cream with a poopy twist. You look at the chairs, they've got the poop emoji image. The toilets also as well. The dishes are shaped like toilets. Um... And the ever-popular emoji takes over the restaurant, including the cushions and all over the walls. T-Bowl. T-Bowl was the one I went to. Oh, yeah, you did. 
They were saying it in Moscow, Seoul, Tokyo, they all have them. Mm -hmm, And now mm -hmm. this is the first one sort of in North America and Canada. So I enjoyed it. It was fun. Isn't that a... I'd go there, would you? That wouldn't deter me. I mean, did you just ask me if I'd go there? I mean, so I've been you've there. been there, right. But did, did it make you feel funny about eating any of the food? No. I mean, here, they also just had a bunch of regular food. Like, only, like, the ice creams looked like turds. You know what I mean? Like, and they came, like, in a toilet bowl. But everything else is just like, oh, here's, like, a curry dish. And I was like, okay, that's gonna that's what it's going to look like afterwards, too. I get that. But outside, like, no, it didn't really turn me off. Hey, are you surprised by this? And our listener, Grant, posted this. And I, I snagged it from him. But are you... Do you think this is good credit, or um, or it's always been around? But the bromosexual friendship is on the rise, which is straight men and gay men being open friends and going out and like, you know, the gay guy picking up guys and the straight guy picking up women and them doing it together and not being homophobic. Do you think this has been going on for a while now, or do you think like, hey, we're really at a what the fuck at year a is this? Nineteen twenty four. It's a new article that's out. So what? Uh, so now all of a sudden men are being like, well, I can hang out with a gay guy. I know he's not going to fuck me. Yes. and That sounds like the most like ignorant <laughs> shit ever. Well, then write the New York Times. Um, but how about this? They're in the Times piece, they're actually crediting shows like, have you ever watched Jaws of Sunset? The reality show? No. Okay, well, I have. Um, where Reza and Mike are good friends. Mike is straight. Reza is gay. And Reza's a player. Mike's a, a player. And they both, like, hang out. And then they oogle at people. And okay, their but, open friendship is breakthrough. But you I don't have friends. So? But it's not a breakthrough. Like, I have friends of mine. Like, I don't know. When I hang out with my gay friends, it's not like I'm on the top of my mind. Like, okay, dude. You pick up the dudes. I'll pick up the chicks. Like, I don't know. You're just hanging out with people. Wait. I never really thought about it like I was doing something special. I just thought I was hanging out with a person. And they happen to be a person. And uh, they also credit Nick Jonas's um, character on Scream Queens. He plays gay, presenting himself as a gay frat boy who bonds over golf with his straight fraternity bros and his best friend Chad. Because in my mind, when I use the term bromosexual, <laughs> I talk I talk about bros. That's you know what I mean. Like here, prime example this weekend. All right, this guy to me is a bromosexual because we were talking and just like having conversations. And over the course of this you know two hour conversation, he mentioned his best friend and how he touched his dick twice you know just like he was like yeah one was on was an accident one time was because of a dare but like these two girls like made out but like i've seen him naked and shit a bunch of times like we've been friends forever like we've slept with some of the same chicks like to me that was like oh you guys are so in love like you guys are just bromosexual <laughs> you know what i mean like you're bros like you never like but, but you you're pretty not much sexual would do, but you're you're not like you're, you're pretty much doing everything except for like fucking you know what I mean like so that's what you took the term that's what I took that's what I've called I mean I this is the first time I've ever heard it used in a, in a every time I've ever used it with my friends anytime anyone's ever used it with me it's been something like that <laughs> this on the other hand no I don't I just thought it was interesting because I guess first of all you're a very open man but I think still there's a lot of straight guys out there I think that may struggle to have a really close gay guy friend why first thing I noticed I told you this is like first off I'm, like, I'm, talking I'm about ugly. Really good like, best I'm ugly. Like, it's not like I'm walking, they're like, oh man, let me touch you. Like, I walk in, they look at me, they go, you're straight, you're disgusting. <laughs> and I go, yes, I am. I'm just here for the stiff drinks. I bet you're going to really rant on this one. So, have you read about the Long Island restaurant that's only hiring grandmas and grandpas to be more authentic and really get that Italian feel? Good. I mean, Long Island needs something to get for them. <laughs> I actually you do love, love Long Island. Island. Northport, Long Island. Oh my God, Oyster Bay. Oh my it's God, beautiful. We can go to Wontaw. Montauk. Montauk. I love Montauk. Montauk, Montauk. I thought you would have thought this was you awful. You want to go to Babylon? We can go to the mall. 
I would go. Yes, absolutely. No, dude, Long Island. I mean, Nassau County, I think, is gorgeous. Long. I remember every time in Long Island, I drive around and I'm like, you know what I really want? Just what? like a coffee Pizza. or like, you know, something like that. You know, something very simple. And then you drive down, you realize Long Island is filled with mom and pop Italian restaurants. Oh, so Cell good. phone stores. And then these random, like, like it's like literally mom and pop Italian restaurants, cell phone stores, and then random Dunkin' Donuts or, like, Krispy Kreme chains. That's pretty much all Long Island is. All of Long Island. Well, Enoteca is the Italian restaurant, Enoteca Maria. And um, the owner there, he says that now he's only hiring grandmothers to cook and grandfathers that are real authentic. Either they can be Algerian, Czech Republic, uh, Ecuador, or Italian. He doesn't care where you're from. I don't but know, man. My grandma's cooking got worse as she got older. <laughs> because at some point, like, her mind started to give in, right? And I would watch her cook, and I'd, like, sit there with my cousins. I'd come and be like, yo, dude, I've seen her put the salt in three times already. She keeps on forgetting that she put in the salt already, and, like, she keeps on adding it. This shit's going to be gross. <laughs> so you think... He no. says this has been a great strategy. He now says that customers are waiting in line. And he says that um, he's getting more phone calls from ever with tourists from Australia, England, okay. and Italy booking a there reservation. It's a tourist trap. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's good. It's a tourist trap. Thank you. As long I as he admits that, that it's cute. a tourist trap and it's just, you know, it's not going to be good. There's no way it's going to be good. It's not like grandma's cooking? You Dude, I love think? my grandma to death, but literally the older she got, the worse her cooking got. Like really? there was a There was a sweet spot, you know? And then even, I know this because even my parents don't eat it anymore. They're like, fuck that. <laughs> I just thought that's great. No one makes it like grandma makes it. I mean, I think th- these grandmothers look young, too, by the way. They're like 60. No, Sarah, come on. Some of them look 70. I'll give you that. Some of them look 70, but I thought the concept was interesting. The only time I've ever been impressed by like a business that had a bunch of old people working instead of young people was this dive bar in Chicago that they were so old, they owned the building, they refused to ever do the no smoking ban. And since they owned the building, they didn't pay rent, they smoked cigarettes in there, and they just took the fee every month. They were like, fuck it, still cheaper than rent. You know, they did that. And the bar backs were no joke, 60 years old, and the bartenders were like 80. Okay? And that made sense because I was like, yo, what the fuck? They're like, man, we've all been working here since like the 60s. God, I wish I could remember. Like, that makes sense. To me, that, that's a dive bar, and that's when old people made sense and it was good, okay? At a kitchen, no. Because you can't fuck up, open up a Budweiser. You know, you can't open it twice on accident. I was going to say the same thing, too, about there used to be a a, um, a shoe store over in Arlington, Virginia. I live over in Arlington, Virginia, for those of you who listen to us in other parts of the U.S. Um, and there was a shoe store there that's now a 7-Eleven. But the guy that owned it owned it for like 45 years. Mm-hmm. And he was literally 80 years old. And he couldn't get up. He would just sit there. But he would tell you, like, where your shoe size was. And you could go get it. And it was so Yeah, good. that's what I'm telling you. That's how it should be. That is the way it should be. Oh, my God. Anyway, it's a 7-Eleven now, sadly. Well, it's probably better. They probably have the same public shoe, Public shoe store. That's what it used to be called. And unfortunately, it closed. But this guy, look at him right there. He's like 80 years old, and he would do all the shoes. I thought, what a yeah, good guy. Yeah, fucking 80, yeah. <laughs> Poor man, it was his life. I told you that uh, there was this guy that used to fix people's shoes down on U Street in D.C., right? He owned this, like, shoe shop and been there forever. Well, I realized the guy was never, like, I tried to get shoes, like, fixed in there, or, like, shoes, like, polished. He refused yeah. to, like, serve me. Why? Refused to help me out. And I was like, what the discrimination? fuck, dude? Like, God damn it, all right. But he's always such a dick to me that I was like, screw it. Then I found out from someone in the neighborhood that that's because he had gotten evicted and I lived in his current apartment. I lived in his old apartment. Aww. So the guy just hated me anyways for that. And I was like, 
Touche. You have completely valid reasons. So, last story of the podcast. Um, congratulations. Last story. Oh, do you have one? No, no. I was congratulations for what? For Kirisan? Kirisan, yeah. Because I'm just reading the Michelin article, by the way. DC's Guide uh, came out with their... Well, it's not, it's not out yet. It's not out yet. It comes out this week. But the week beforehand, they announced all the, all the Bib Gourmand. Which are 40 or less, right? $40 well, or less for two courses and a glass of wine or dessert yeah, before tax Yeah, and I've heard a bunch tip. of different like reasons as to why. Um, but it's pretty much just, um, I don't know, it's just like a way of saying, hey, this is a really, really good Michelin-style restaurant, only it's maybe on the cheaper side, or maybe it's a little bit too young, or, you know, there's different reasons, but yeah. So, Kirisan, how are you guys feeling when that came out? Did you have any idea? Any no, idea leaving I mean, up? we were just all like, I was hanging out at home on, what, Thursday? Afternoon, just chilling, and then all of a sudden I read this article and I was like, "No shit!" And then I texted Chef Timon. He would clearly didn't respond because he was probably getting a million texts at that point. And the next thing I know, like uh, we all just came back to the restaurant like at eleven thirty at night. We made a bunch of grilled cheese with kimchi. We made so many grilled cheese with kimchi, dude. And yeah, we just like celebrate. It was, I mean, it's spectacular. Like to see something like that, and especially to see like the story behind him is amazing. Like. You know, you want something that's really interesting for your... Po- Boom. Yes, we'll give, like, Tim, Tim on. He is, his story is super interesting. Like, he was an engineer. Think about it. He was an engineer and dropped out... Then, like, quit being an engineer to go to coloring school eight years ago. I know. It's unbelievable. And then eight years later, like, you know, he's being listed in the, in the, you know, in the inaugural Michelin Guide for D.C. for his first ever D.C. restaurant. Like, that's pretty huge. So A huge change for him. And he did that because didn't his, hasn't his family been in the restaurant business for a while? And he pursued engineering and then sort of joined them but kind of took off with his own. You may know more of the story than I do, Sarah. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you what his well, favorite rap song is. My other question to you was, did you agree with some of the other restaurants on the list? Because if you're in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, you've probably heard of these. Two Amy's has been around forever. and I mean, dude, I, I would will, say, like... I uh, will skip that, my thoughts on that one. Well, here are the thing. I think that you had people that show... Like, there's some that just didn't make any sense. Zaytinium was also on there. That's been just in, fine, in D.C. fine, but, like, for... Haleo shouldn't have been on. Like, no offense. It's, like, it's good, but I don't know if it's... I agree. I, Michelin I, guy. I think, honestly, I'm, I think you had a lot of times... Like, remember, these people, they're here, and these are random, you know, people that are the Michelin critics. So they and happen you don't to really walk know in on much. a good day. And so I think... No, I think what happens is they also are just... They only have so much time to check out so many restaurants because they're not here all year Enough. long. You know what I mean? And so I think that initially all the Jose Andres restaurants, they're all going to stop by them because that's our biggest. I mean, that's our biggest name it's chef. A big in the, name. That's You're our biggest right. name chef in the area. So they're going to stop by every single one of his places. You know, uh, Bad Saint also made the list, which has got tons of press. But Bad this Saint, year. everyone thinks that's a snub. They think Bad Saint should have actually gotten a Michelin star. Oh, so if you make this li- list, you can't get a Michelin this star. This is a different thing. It's like an honorary mention. You know what I mean? Which is like, it's still a oh. huge thing. It means that either, so that's what they're saying. Either like the food, um, they don't really tell you why you didn't get the star and why you're on this list, but it's still saying like, dude, you guys are really, really good. You still are there. Wow. Um, a lot of times it could be like, for instance, Bad Saints been open for a year, but like Kirisan hasn't been open for over a year. Okay. So initial, like immediately, like I think restaurants that aren't open for over a year aren't, um, like eligible, eligible maybe. Okay. I don't know. Like I've heard random stories from a lot of people, and it's really tough to find any like solid information on what. But all the restaurants, I would tell you, if you go to that Big Gourmand list, because the ones that actually get stars, you're going to end up dropping 200 300 $400 on. Yeah, I you know. know I mean? Get ready. You can go to these places. You can go to Kirisan and get you know 50 bucks. 
Boom. So much food. Get, yeah. you know, you're killing it. You're loving it. You know, I think a lot of the places on here were really good. Uh, Bidwell also made the list. Um, Lapis is amazing. It's really okay. I've never Afghani been there. Afghani food, but it's like Ooh. really, really good stuff. Maketo, Ottoman Taverna, Oyamel, Pearl Dive, Doi Oyster Moy Palace. is really good. Doi Moy. What do they have? That looks Doi so Moy good. Is, um, Doi Moy is, I believe, it's a Vietnamese food. Mm. Vietnamese tip cow, Laotian food. Yeah. Really good. Like, there's, like I tell, it's a really good list. Um, well, anyway, that is out, and congratulations to you guys at Kirisong. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was awesome. It uh, was, uh, we got our asses kicked over the weekend. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm glad you're here and upright. Yeah. Um, anyway, you guys, thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully, you are following us on social media. It's Hey Frage, H-E-Y-F-R-A-S-E, on Twitter and Instagram, and Hey Frage Show on Snap. Sammy's across the board at the... S-A-M-Y-K. You can always email us with your feedback and thoughts, Sarah at HeyFrage.com. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm having a major issue. Really? I might, I'm going to get my therapist on. Don't care. Well, don't what? care. No! Don't care. Sarah Frage and Sammy K. Hey,